Section 2 of Birds and Nature, Volume 11, Number 1, January 1902. Recorded for LibriVox.org by Rachel Evangeline Barham. The Golden Crowned Kinglet, Regulus Satrapa. The autumn wanes, and kinglets go, sweet voiced and nightly in their way. And all the birds our summers know, they flock and leave us day by day. Frank H. Sweet flocking of the birds. In these pleasing words the poet speaks of the kinglets, yet his words may hardly apply to the golden-crowned kinglet except in the northernmost part of its range, for it winters from the northern border of the United States southward to the Gulf of Mexico. Muffled in its thick coat of feathers, the diminutive gold-crest braves our severest winters, living evidence that, given an abundance of food, Temperature is a secondary factor in a bird's existence. But little larger than a hummingbird, though unlike that might of bird life, it seeks in the cooler air of northern climes a place for its nest. It also breeds throughout the length of the Rocky Mountains and in the Alleghenies as far south as North Carolina. This tiny and charming sylvan ornament, both elegant in dress and graceful in movement, is one of the seven known species of kinglets, of which there are but three that frequent the New World. It is very active while searching for its food. Its colors are such that, as it moves from twig to twig hunting for insects among the leaves, it is frequently hard to locate, though its voice may be heard among the treetops. Truly the name kinglet, Little King, is not a misnomer, for the golden crown exhibits a decided character in every motion. It is fearless, and though it will occasionally scold an intruder, wren-like, it does not visually resent the presence of man. Often in the forest, or even in our city parks, a golden-crowned kinglet will flash by one's face and, dropping to the ground, seize an insect or worm that its bright eyes have detected in the grass, even at one's feet. Speaking of interesting phases of bird life, Mr. Kaiser says, On the same day, my dancing dot in feathers, the golden-crowned kinglet, performed one of his favorite tricks, which is not often described in the books. You will remember that in the center of the yellow crown patch of the males there is a gleaming golden speck, visible only when you look at him closely. But when the little bow is in a particularly rollicksome mood, or wants to display his gem to his mate or kindred, he elevates and spreads out the feathers of his crest, and lo, a transformation! The whole crown becomes golden. That gleaming speck expands until it completely hides the yellow and black of the crown. May we not say with Mr. and Mrs. Grinnell that Mr. Golden Crown lifts his hat to Mrs. Golden Crown? We may learn patience and to be satisfied with nature as we find it if we will study the life of the Golden Crown. It is always happy, always cheerful. Seemingly, it flies from bough to bough as contentedly in the rain as in the sunshine, and in cold as well as in warm weather. In many respects, this kinglet resembles the warblers, but it is much tamer. While seeking its food, it exhibits some of the characteristics of the flycatchers. Mr. Brewster describes its song as beginning with a succession of five or six fine, shrill, high-pitched, somewhat faltering notes, and ending with a short, rapid, rather explosive warble. The opening notes are given in a rising key, but the song falls rapidly at the end. The whole may be expressed as follows. 
Its call note is simply titi, uttered in a fine and well-modulated voice that is scarcely audible. The golden crown selects cone-bearing trees for its nest. This is usually a pencil structure and is hung from the branches at from four to fifty or more feet from the ground. It is globular in form, with the entrance near the top. Mosses and dead leaves are used in its construction, and it is lined with soft and fine fibers of bark and feathers. Someone has said of a golden-crowned kinglet, I often spoke to him as if he were a real person, and he appreciated my words of praise too, without doubt, for he would come scurrying near, disporting his head so that I could catch the gleam of his amber coronal with its golden patch for a centerpiece. End of section two. This recording is in the public domain.